Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hello and whatever salutations are proper for anyone who's listening to this on the Temple Beth Am podcast, whenever you may be doing so. Um, here we go, studying Torah uh, and going deeper into a story that um, maybe I wanted to roll in that your direction, Norm. Um, a story that we all kind of know so well but so many things come out when we go at a very slow and deliberate pace I have us having finished uh, the verse and the Rashi on verse 17 chapter 8 verse 17 Um, so as is our custom I'll just read the verse again to get us going and then we'll start verse 18 verse 17 was if you do not this is uh, Moshe speaking to um, uh, this is this is what God tells Moshe to say to Pharaoh. If you don't dispatch my people, and I will release upon you. We talked about mashlich here, meaning not just to like send and dispatch, but to kind of uh, incite upon you and your servants and your house and your people, uh, whatever arov means. We're not going to go back into the machlokin as to what it means, but some kind of a, of a devouring thing, whether it's wild animals or insects. Umalu bate mitraim et arov. And the houses of Egypt will be filled. This is still in a predictive mode with um, whatever Arab is. And also the ground upon which they are. Okay, So that's the verse. And we discussed um, both what the word Arov mean. And then Rashi had a little bit of a riff on um, a little bit of a riff on the whole pattern of the plagues and how we might understand uh, the plagues graft onto how ancient warfare was done. Right. And on, I guess on some level, how modern warfare is done, but the progression uh, of a siege. Uh, so that's where we left it. Any were there any remaining questions or comments on the verse, Joel? We've been talking about a natural progression of the plagues. So I looked up what are the natural predators of gnats, because apparently the gnats never left. Right. They were still there. They were still there. So I think that this Arov is uh, mites and beetles. And worms, according to my Google search. Because those are things that consume gnats. gnats. And gnats are the, are the, are the, are the lice. All right. Um, it is amazing. We've been we've been trying to figure this out for 3,000 years. We solved it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, that will be my new understanding of, of this verse. So thank you. I now know what Arov is. Wonderful. Um, anyone else on the verse before we go forward? Okay, I also didn't know that beetles ate lice, so that's good. Next time there's a lice, lice infestation, I'll just I'll go buy some beetles. <laughs> honey, honey, is this better? <laughs> okay, verse 18. Uh, let's see. Uh, Marshall, do you want to read verse 18? Okay, let's give Marshall a microphone and let's give him the actual, let's take him off the stands. The stands get in the way. Verse 18, be flayti by yom hahu at Eretz Goshen. Asher Ami Omeid Aleha, Lidilti Heyot Sham Arov, Lama Ante Da, Ki Ani Adonai Beker of Haaretz. Pause one second. I see uh, someone new joining us. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to the class. No need to show your face if you don't want to, but it's great to have you. We're on chapter eight of the book of Shemot, verse 18. Great to have you, Bobby. And I'll give you Robert Alter's translation. But I shall set upon on that day the land of Goshen. I shall set upon. 
That's interesting. Okay. Upon which my people stands so that no horde will be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Okay. So that's interesting to start with Robert Alter. It's a very, from my perspective, non-literal translation, but that doesn't mean anything because Robert Alter knows infinitely more about biblical um, grammar vocabulary than I do. The word hiflati, who wants to give me a guess as to what the root of the word hiflati is? Right. So it's most likely Pelamid Aleph. The Aleph dropped out in the form, right? And what Pelamid Aleph means is very interesting. In modern Hebrew, Pelamid Aleph means what? Wonder, right? Like telephone, right? So the connection from the ancient to the modern is amazing. When this new thing, this tremendous wonder that you could walk around and have a phone with you was called a telephone, right? Telephone actually was a name brand, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But it's from the root Pela, right? The actual Hebrew word for a telephone is a nayad, which is a wanderer, right? Something that goes with you, a mobile, essentially. But telephone meant what an amazing thing, right? So um, the word nifla in modern Hebrew means amazing, wonderful, right? It's like it's it's built from the nifal form of the root pela, something that is sought to be wonderful. It seems that that's probably the root because the olive drops out. It also seems to me that Art Robert Alter does not think that's the root because I've never heard that translation to set upon. Let's go with the the pelam and olive possibility first and see if we can make sense of the verse more closely. If you look at Uncleus. Angulus translates vehiflet to to the afresh peresh shin. What does peresh shin mean as a root? Set apart or distinguish a perush. When we think of a perush as a commentary, in what way is it a commentary? It's because you are extracting from the core verse another level of meaning, right? And the uh, we've discussed this before. The Pharisees is from the Hebrew word the prushim. In what way were they prushim? They were somewhat ascetic and pulling back from other parts of the contemporaneous society. So lefaresh or lehiparesh means to set apart. So he's reading pele. Well, whenever he's reading the root, he flaty means uh, is he's not reading it as wonder, but some kind of a distinction. Okay. Um, I see your hand, Rick. Hold on one second. So if we, if we understand Uncleus is correct, God is saying, I will make some kind of a distinction on this day. And he's, He's reading this as a transitive verb. What am I going to distinguish? I'm going to distinguish Eretz Goshen, which is where the Israelites live. I share Ami Omeraleha, upon which my people stand. Why? Levilti Hayotsham. Vilti means there's no way to translate vilti in, into English, but something like so that it doesn't happen, right? Um, so that it doesn't happen um, that the Arov, whatever the Arov are, the gnats and the beetles will be there. And why? In order that you know who's the you, the you, right? Um, that I am God in the midst of the land. Does anyone um, want to suggest how um, how else the verse could have ended after the word lemaan? What else might have been the rationale for God doing this? Aside so that Pharaoh would know something about God spares people, right? It's very interesting, right? There, there are windows here into God's, as it were, mindset. It's not Lama'an that you suffer and my people don't. It's, it's really for me to make an impression upon you. I'm in charge, not you. The, the result is the same, but the, the uh, calculation that, of what's being communicated to Pharaoh is slightly different. 
Okay. Um, Rick, and then we're going to, um, well, we'll start with Rick and see where we go. And then Norm. Hi. So the, um, the first word there has the, uh, the fanciest trope of the sentence, uh, the Heathlete. And um, when I, um, it's not, you don't uh, emphasize the Lama, the Heathlete? You set, it emphasize where the trap is. No, sir. Not necessarily. Uh, necessarily. No, sir. The we can tili- talk offline, but the, the Tilly Shakitana is a post positive. It's always on the last letter, but you don't like the word Lima'an. You have it on the final noon, but it's also on the mem. Right. You, if that's if that's the case, the the um, text would show two katanas. The last one telling sometimes you and the early one where the chest, but sometimes it doesn't, going. sir. On Elohim, it only shows it on the mem, but you don't pronounce it on the mem. It's on the hey. But anyway, um, I thought, well, why didn't he use Mavdil, Lahavdil, that he's the big separator in Genesis. We're just going through Genesis. And um, he doesn't use that separation like it's an absolute, but it's like it's a it's a different verb. And uh, um, th- that was a purposeful distinction, I think, that he could have used um uh, uh Dalti, he could have separated them like with a like a wall like yeah but um anyway within i just wanted question, to bring that up within your question is sort of an answer because we're going to see in this verse and in the next verse and in uncleus's translation into aramaic several different synonyms for a division between this and that which i think even if it's not the same vocab word rick it does harken back to the God of creation because the God of creation is the God of distinction, the God of saying there's this over here and that over there, right? And like, and even in the story of, of how God protects us um, in the desert, it, it, it's a wall, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wall that says my people over here and safe and the enemies on this side, uh, oh, oh, we're so as easy as that to make sure that the enemy stayed over there, right? Yeah. Uh, so so it's not, let me just- several different ways of, of articulating that including the root Bey Bet Dalad Lamed from uh, the creation story. Yeah. Right. So let me, let me just respond. So this is, I think, on a level above that. It wasn't just a separation, but it was like a wondrous thing that the people could know that there was a separation. Like the Egyptians knew that the Israelites were okay. It could have been a separation and the Egyptians didn't know a thing. Uh-huh. But, but it's a wondrous kind of thing that they can see like with the darkness, we still had light. Um, uh, it, it's that kind of uh, division. Right. The root could be operating on two levels, right? And it, first of all, that's if the root is indeed what I think it is, Pelam and Aleph, which is I'm making a spectacular separation, right? Um, and Rashi's going to get into the meaning of the root in a little bit. Uh, Norm, take a microphone, please. Um. I just want to go back to uh, his lacy. It seems to me that the root ought to be the same as in fella as in Ose fella. Um, and it's a wonder. And when we think about it, what he's going to do is he's saying, we're going to set it up, you know, we'll have a deal so that we're going to afflict Van Nuys and Brasida, but we're going to spare Encino and Tarzana. Yeah. And that's, you know, quite an achievement to make. Burbank Boulevard, the line between where things are bad and things are good. It's a very 
specific premise. Yeah, I think you should have flicked Tarzana if we're if we're actually going in there. Um, we'll take that up with Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, right, and so I, I think that builds what what Norm says. It, it's it's a spectacularly precise, amazing nifla distinction, right? To be able to say um, plague here, not plague there, right? It's actually it's 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 amazing to and God's capable of this of conferring a certain localized immunity from something which is and seems to be indiscriminate, right? You go try whatever our rove is, you go try to contain it, contain it. God says I can contain it, right? And again, I can contain it. Not only so that my people will not suffer, that's implicit, but explicitly so you know, your magicians know and you know, I'm in charge, not you. Um, I want to show you the root uh, Pella in Jastro. Sorry, in uh, Jastro or BDB, where did I have it up? BDB. One second, let me show you on the screen. Okay, so this is BDB on the root Pella, right? On the um, Arab, the Hebrew possibilities of Pella. Uh, Elon, do you mind just minimizing or, or moving to the side the the i don't know how to even say it on on that laptop the pictures so that we can see the full hebrew just kind of move it all the way down if you can there we go thank you okay um pella look at the initial biblical definition of pella it's not wonder right it's it's separate from the ordinary distinguish and according to a thesaurus that I'm not aware of, it is similar to the root pei lamet hey, and it may be that the root of hifleti is not pei lamet aleph, but a similar root pei lamet hey. Interesting possibility. Rashi does not think so, but that's okay. Um, and then in the noun, pella is a wonder. So the the, the general the way BDB um, does it is that up here where my cursor is, that's the the root itself with no vowels telling you before I get to how it operates as a noun or a verb or an adjective, that's just what the three letters signify. And then it gets to specific usages of it. So the noun pellet is wonder. And then um, oops. Uh, as a root, right? As a pa'al root, as a nifal, to be surpassing, to be extraordinary, uh, to be beyond one's power, difficult to do. Be difficult to understand. Be extraordinary, wonderful. Now again, BDB is is incredibly accurate, but BDB, as with any biblical dictionary, is getting the meaning from the context, right? So he's 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 both telling us what it means in this verse, and he knows what it means because of this verse and other verses that are like it. Okay, but it's some combination of um, distinction and wonder, a wondrous distinction. Let's look at uh, anything else in the verse itself before we look at Rashi. Okay. Uh, Marshall, please look at the Rashi on Vehi Flati. Hold on, I need my, my microphone. Oh, sorry. I know. Vehi Flati, Vehi Rashi. Okay, so already in one word, Rashi has given us his commentary. You, reader, who A, might wonder what the root is and what it means, and you might be more thinking of this in the category of wonder, Osefela, it's really Ose Hafrasha. Right, the one who makes the distinction, and he doesn't say this explicitly, even though sometimes he would. He's basically taking Uncleus's translation. The Hifreshti is the Hebrew, Hifreshti, uh, the Hebrew of the Aramaic, the Afresh. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, 
from Shemot chapter 9. Okay, so let's look at that. Everyone, if you have the book of Shemot, you have this. Look back at chapter 9, verse 4. Or actually, look ahead to chapter 9, verse 4. <clears throat> the Rashi says just in the next chapter, we're going to have another use of this word. And you'll see when in this context, it's easier to understand the root here, meaning, quote unquote, just a distinction as opposed to something wondrous. So this is, um, I think this is the plague of Dever, of cattle disease, pestilence. Vehifla Adonai ben miknet Yisrael uben miknet Mitzrayim. The bane and the bane here, um, between this and that, if you have a between this and that, the action item is a division, is a separation, right? It's more obvious that this verb, which by the way, also doesn't have the aleph, it has the hey, is about um, creating a wall between. Look at Uncleus's translation of the word vehifla, the afresh, right? To make a distinction between um, the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, so that none of my cattle will will die. Interestingly, in that verse, the lamaan, the implied, the reason why is not to have an, me impress you, a Pharaoh, so that you agree that I have power and you not, but specifically to spare the Israelite cattle. Okay, Alan, yeah. In nine four, it's vehifla with a hey, which then lends credence to what's going on. You're saying before that the other one could have been hey as well. Correct. And and Rashi's going to tell us in a little bit that he thinks both of these are actually from the root pelam and olive, with the olive having dropped out, or he's basically saying they're the same root, right? Which is also a possibility. And we've discussed this before that that. Two-letter families produce three, several three-letter roots, and oftentimes the 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 multiple three-letter roots that come from the same first two letters are similar, right? Pelamid gimel means to disperse, like dor haflaka is the door of the generation that dispersed after the Tower of Babel. Pelamid, there's another one I was thinking of. I can't, I can't think of it. If I go through the alphabet, I will, but there are several Pelamid roots where the third letter is a shade of the notion of making a distinction. So Pelamid Hey and Pelamid Aleph, particularly if you think about the real origins of language, right? Language emerged before letters emerged, right? So you can imagine way, way back, the pronunciation of the word before the notion of how to write it could have produced two different written versions of the same sound because Pelamid Hey and Pelamid Aleph are basically indistinguishable from one another as you pronounce them. So you can imagine at some point, it may have even been like in two regions in which the ancient language was spoken, it was just written in different ways. So they could very could very well be the same thing. Uh, I see Joanne and then say Renee, and then we'll have uh, Marshall keep going in the Rashi. Um, I think it's interesting. This is actually the first use of this Shorosh in Tanakh. So while we may be more familiar with it, you know, in its miraculous, wondrous meaning, to, you know, follow the development of meaning and language and like sort of bring ourselves back to the question isn't how we got from wondrous to this meaning. The question is how we got from this meaning to wondrous. Great. That's wonderful. Thank you for that, Joanna. I also want to pull up because not everyone on the table can see it. Scott Tarl uh, won the Internet. Because he wrote as a comment from this, we know that a falafel is a wondrous thing, separate, <laughs> separate and distinct from other foods. Well, well, well played, Scott. Uh, I love, I love that. I'm also wondering this for the first time. Um, the, the modern Hebrew word for the word pepper is pilpil, right? P- but pilpul 
is also a method of Talmud study that is very focused on splitting apart meanings. And there's a commentary, I don't remember if it's on the Talmud or on a commentary called the Pilpula Charifta, the spicy pepper, right? Um, and I wonder, I really, I just don't have the answer to this, if the, if the etymology of Pilpul has to do with um, um, like Pilpul as a method of studying text very closely, you know, you take the, the, the two letter, the two letter root Pelamin and you double it, that can sometimes be an intensifying of the meaning of the root that if Pelamin means a division, then Lifal Pel really means a sharp, um, a very bright distinction between one idea and another. I wonder if that's the, the root of Pilpul. I don't know. I never thought about it before. Um, Renee. I'm just wondering why in my Saperstein it refers to the mixture of wild beasts, but in Everett Fox it refers to there will be no insects there. I mean, to me, insects and wild beasts are pretty diff- distinct and different things. I'm not sure what two things you're comparing. What, what do you mean? In 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 verse in the verse in Saperstein it says that the uh, houses of Egypt are going to be filled with wild beasts and and god's going to distinguish that but in everett fox it says that god's that it, god's going to distinguish the regions and there won't be any insects there ah, right uh, were you in class last week i don't remember renee yes okay so um we 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 spent a while on the unresolved machloket as to what the word arov means and there's a disagreement and so people translate it wildly differently either wild beasts or or, or swarmy insects. So it, it, most translators are going to choose one and go with it. And which means that if you have two translations side by side, you might have them be translating the word arov very, very differently, but they're going to be consistent internal to their own translations. Um, okay. Keep going, uh, Marshall on the, uh, the Rashi. So he brought us to the Hifla Adonai, but now, and this is my proof that Rashi thinks the root pay from Hifleti is either actually pay Lamed Aleph with the Aleph dropping out, or it's the same root, in which case the proof text he's going about to bring is a good proof text because the proof text he's about to bring is a pay Lamed Aleph proof text. From Devorim chapter 30. Okay, so I want to bring up that verse. It's on the screen now. So this is a famous verse. Uh, actually, the the, fir- the verse after this verse is a famous verse. I mean, every verse in the Torah is a famous verse, but it's like a it's a culturally famous verse. <laughs> this this verse in the Torah, no one cares about. This verse is famous. Um, so this is ver- to the very very end of of the Torah. So look at verse eleven. Ki mitzvah hazot asher hayom. God is saying through Moses, this mitzvah, this commandment, this notion that I'm commanding you today, lo niflate he mimcha. It is not. Niflate, it is not pelaized from you, right? Um, and it's not far away. It's translated here on the screen by Everett Fox as um, extraordinary. So going in the direction of Pelamad Aleph, right? If we looked at different translations of this verse, JPS, not too baffling, okay? Koran, not hidden. <laughs> Translation is hard. Matsuda, not abstruse. I think the word abstruse is abstruse. Um, let's see. Uh, not concealed. There's no agreement, right? 
The other uh, baffling is GPS. Let's see what our friend Kahana did in 1963. Not a uh, not an obscure matter for you, right? So it, it, it's something having to do with. Um, uh, well, what's the point of the verse? God is saying this Torah that I'm giving you is accessible, right? Don't be overwhelmed by it. Take it in. And the next verse is the punchline of a classic rabbinic text in the Talmud that. It, that is used oftentimes to explain that when God gave us the Torah and put it in the hands of the rabbis, uh, it was ours to wield and to make decisions on and to no longer ask God for God's thought on how we're interpreting things. It's lo bashamayimhi. It's not in the heavens. Lay more such that you would say, mi yalalanu hashamayim Who's going to go up to the heavens and bring it down for us? Such that we can uh, understand it and do it. Don't, you can't go back to Sinai. Torah is yours. You do with it what you see fit, right? Every, every denomination uh, claims this verse as defending their own approach to understanding in Torah, uh, but it's particularly um, well oft used text in the Masorti movement to say um, it's every generation's of authorities that determines what the Torah means, and 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 the Torah said that lo he it's not up there, it's down here in the famous story of Tanur Shel Achnai, um, but in verse eleven. Rashi saying, see that word lo niflate, say whatever it meant there, and that's a pelam and ala fruit, it, that's what it meant here. And, and Rashi translates lo niflate. I, did you already read this part, uh, Marshall? If not, read it again. Or even if you did read it again, lo muvdelet. That's not separated. Microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it is not separated or set at a far distance from you. Right. And this is Rashi satisfying Rick Muller bringing into the translation of leaflate, muvdelet, the verb lahavdil, havdalah, the same verb used in the story of creation, right? So Rashi is saying, um, what, what, Rashi is saying, hifleti, peilamed yud, peilamed hey, peilamed olive, it's the same root. It might mean eventually the notion of something wondrous and extraordinary, but at the core, it means something separate, something completely other. Uh, and therefore, God is saying, I'm just going to make a line. You over here, me over there. Questions, comments? In the, uh, well, learning how to use this. Uh, in the chapter 30, lo niflati velo rechokahi, that rechok means at a distance, mm. which would seem to me to support the idea of something which is separate. Yeah land of Goshen is separate from correct where the Egyptians are. Correct. And, and, and if the Hifleti, I'm going to make something, I'm going to make something more, more far away than it is by putting in a separation barrier. Um, you really can't go more than a few sentences discussing our ancient texts without being very present in the modern day and, and what the Jewish people still face. Right. Um, because what, what you hope is that a separation barrier will make them, farther away than they are now, even if you haven't increased the geographical distance. Okay. Uh, great. Rashi has one more thing to say on uh, this verse. So on the Lama'an Teda, right, we were focusing on the fact that the, the Lama'an, the so that, could have been followed by a different concept altogether, so that your folks suffer, mine don't. Rashi is, I'm going to give away the story a little bit, Rashi is going to really focus on the last phrase, Bekerav Haaretz. Because um, if you read the, the, the read it plainly, 
God is telling Moshe to tell Pharaoh that God would say, so that you will know that I, God, am in the intimacies, the presence close to the earth, right? What question that Rashi is about to answer could you ask on that? What what might strike you as uh, as odd about God making that claim? Where do we think of God being? In the heaven. God could be Bashamayim or Ba'aretz or both. Or everywhere, right? Or everywhere, so yes. you could read this verse. I'm not saying you would, but you could read this verse as God saying, where does God exist? I exist here. I exist, Bekerah Ba'aretz. So lest you think that God was limiting God's own, um, you know, GPS location in the universe, Rashi says, and now, now uh, Marshall. Uh, even though you shall know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land, even though my indwelling presence is in the heaven, I have my decree exists below also. Right. So Rashi is saying, lest you read this as God limiting God's self to being on earth. God is saying, even though my Shekhinah, which is saying we think of God's Shekhinah as the part of God that is present on the earth, right? Le, the indwelling presence. But the way Rashi is reading it, even though my essence is Bashamayim, Gzirati, the my decrees, the impact of my divinity is here on earth. There are several super commentaries in Rashi who, that add an af or a gam here, right? That that in a that even though I my intense presence in the heavens, it's also the case or it's even the case that my decrees reach the earth. In the underwear? The Tachtonim, yes. <laughs> um, good. Uh, you, your hand was up? No, oh, okay, I thought it was. Um, okay, anything else on that verse? On the entire verse? Yeah. yeah. Tova, um, hold on. Um, I was, I guess, a little, maybe I was not familiar with the idiom, but ami omeid alecha, rather than yoshev, or dwell in, that they stand mm. upon this land. Um, it it just strikes my ears odd, though it also strikes it, it gives me an image of a people who are dwelling there not comfortably, so to speak, like either on the verge of ready to go with difficulty, but I, is there anything to that? My first reaction is, this is why I love studying Torah with all of you, because I've read this verse hundreds of times and I've never focused on the word omed. And so I just appreciate your highlighting it. It is an interesting word now that I think about it, right? It could have been Yoshev. It could have been something. It, 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 omed is very specific, yeah. right? Um, it could have been Nitzav, right? I don't know. I'd love to open it up to the group to think what you, to ask what you think. You're reading Omed as, uh, or the last thing you said as an uncomfortable standing, right? Cause it's hard to stand well, still. Well, if, if you're, if it's, if that's meant to suggest that they dwell there, but there's, but usually dwell is imaged by sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Here it's standing and it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Either poised, uncomfortable with different, somehow different from right. sit dwelling. <laughs> you could read it as, as, uncomfortable standing or defiant standing defiant tall. Standing. Uh, it could also just be a cigar. It could just be one of the words right. that the Torah uses to just say being there. But I, but I, but I appreciate the, the question. I've never thought of that. Marshall. Yeah. The, there's another commentary, which I saw 
where there's a word where the word af is inserted into the sentence. And that because I am the Lord, I am God, even in the midst of the land. Yes, right. That's a commentary on the verse or commentary on the Rashi? Uh, I'm not sure because it's from, I don't know who the Reish Aleph Mem is the name of the commentator. Yeah, he's one of the commentators on Rashi. So on he, Rashi. Okay. Yeah, so he so he is he's helping explain to the reader that there should be an implied even or an addition wow. to in the Rashi. Yeah. Um I want to just see if uh I had not thought about this before, if any of the commentators classically what verse is this? 18 or 18? Say anything on the Omade. Let's just let me just look quickly if there's something worthy we'll look at. If not, um Looking at the ones that might most likely, Ibn Ezra, who's a grammarian, says nothing on that verse, or nothing on that word. Um, Ramban is quiet. Robert uh, Fox is situated, not Stan. Situated, yeah. Um, so far, I'm over six on classic commentators being interested in that word. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's like the Malbim quote comments on every um section of that sentence except Omid. Um, um, but that all that means is that there's still more things to explore. Yeah, I see, I see, I see, I see nothing, nothing obvious. Can you look up on BDB if it has any connotation? Uh, the root, the word, the word I made. Yeah, let's take a look. Uh, I'll, so you can actually watch me do it. I'll put it on the screen. Soon. Okay. Million um, mem Okay. Take, to take one stand to stand. Um, pillar, a mudim. The stand to be in a standing attitude. To present oneself. What's that? Defiant. Maybe. Meaning the be in a standing attitude one. Opposite of shuv, right? Opposite of of, of, the, of the sitting dwelling. To stand still and to stop. To remain standing. To tarry and delay. That's interesting, right? That my people are are tarrying against their will there. Yeah. To make a stand, hold one's ground. Down here in uh, number four. So um, interesting. Uh, n- no no resolution, but an interesting thing to point out. Thank you for that, Tova. Um, okay. Let's move on to verse 19. Um, let's see. I keep in, in trying to bring her in, and then she's not able to, but I thought I brought her in. On my screen, yeah, there she is. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Stevie, you want to read verse 19? Um, the Samti put... Uh, Okay. So I will place a word that JPS has meaning of Hebrew uncertain (laughs) (laughs) between my people and between your people uh, for tomorrow, there will be this sign. 
Right. And just to remind you, because it, we, this is important to remind ourselves as we go slowly, this entire scene is happening between whom? Pharaoh's not in the scene yet, right? This is all, if you go back to um, verse 16, it's a continuation of this scene. By Yomer Adonai al-Moshe, God said to Moses, get up in the morning, place yourself in front of Pharaoh, and this is what you should say to him. What you should say to him is this is what God said, right? So we're 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 still in the, the setup of God explaining to Moshe what he should say to Pharaoh. And this is sort of the um, the end of that triple quotation mark. And you say to Pharaoh, I'm going to place a fidut, whatever fidut is. The word is actually pidut, but uh, if you remember Beged Kefet and Ahoy, the Yud of Vesamti takes out the Dagesh in the Pei, makes it fidut. I will make a pidut, whatever that is, between my people and your people. Uh, and basically, it's going to happen tomorrow. Right? Um, I have something to say on Tova's point for yeah. the last verse. Um, well, first of all, just right, Moshe is here is Nitzav, which is another word for stand, which is interesting. But um, but actually, the Omeid is, it's Omeid Aleha. What do you mean Moshe is Nitzav? Uh, back in when God's speaking. Oh, right, got, right. It. got it. Got um, it. Yeah. But, but in, in our verse, right, Omeid is Omeid Aleha. And I think that's pulling back from the, the last word of the previous verse, which is, right, the Batemi Traim are mm. Aleha, right, mm. Adama Asherhem Aleha, mm. right, that, right, the houses of Egypt are, and the, the land that they're on top of. And so this is another, like, it might be that omade is the is the correct verb to use to have that preposition. I'm not sure about that part, but but it's certainly the verse. The, the, I think the preposition is relevant because it's a repetitive, like it's it's calling back from yeah. Great. Just uh, I'm not sure everyone follow what Stevie says. Stevie's <laughs> saying sometimes the verb demands the preposition, and he's saying maybe the preposition demands the verb. And since aleha upon it is how verse 17 ended, if verse 18 really wanted an aleha, you don't generally say yoshev aleha, you say yoshev ba, right? You sit ba something, you stand al something. So maybe it's the aleha that was the, that was the, um, tag the, the 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 tail wagging the dog and the omed was brought in as a result of that interesting um okay padut interesting question uh, what padut means let's look at the uh, videotape let's look at unculus vaashve porkan or forkan right porkan you might know if you're a shulgoer right at the torah service yekum porkan mean shemaya what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> Right. It, it, it means we're 29 minutes away from Kiddush, right? <laughs> Porkan means um, saving, redemption. Where else in liturgy do you have the word Porkan or Porkana? Porkana? Kaddish Rabbanan, right? In the extended version of the, of the Kaddish. It's one of the uh, Aramaic words for one of the things that we hope God does for us. A saving or redemption. In, in all the Kaddishes. Very good, right? In the, in the Sephardi and uh, Hasidic version of, of Kaddish, after the right? That may God's uh, saving power come soon, and also may God's Mashiach come, come soon. Okay. Um, so, Uncle says, if you're confused by Padut, um, uh, go to Purkan. The root of Padut is probably the root um, Pei Dalet Hey, which means to redeem, kind of a redemption. Like, again, 
right? The moment we're in Pidyon Shfuim, right? We talked about it last night at uh, after after uh, Minchan Mariv, the notion of redeeming, saving, rescuing hostages and captives. Pidyon Haben, right? The redemption of the firstborn. So Pidut is probably the gerund or one of the forms of the gerund of the verb uh, Liftot to redeem the the redemption of. I will I will place a redemption turned into a f because of the yud between me and you, but. To place a redemption is challenging because, like, what what English word would you want after the word place? Not a, in this context. I will a separation, right? Going back to vihiflati. Remember, I said before that we're going to have throughout these verses Hebrew and Aramaic words that can mean other things, and they can also mean distinction, division, separation, barrier. Right. So, um, um. Let's see what, uh, well, let's finish. No, we finish. Anything else on the verse where look at what Rashi says on Padut? Renee, see your hand up. Um, well, the, along what you were just saying, mm-hmm. Everett Fox says Padut usually is amended to be pelut, which is distinction, to bring uh, the phrase into consonance with verse 18 and with the entire plague section in general. Fascinating, right? So sometimes, um, you know, there's a there's a whole subgenre of biblical study that is specifically focused on, let's call it what it is, guessing at emendations that happen throughout time and trying to imagine what the original version of it was. So Everett Fox, who is a biblical scholar and initially being a translator, says it may have been that the original word was not pedut but pelut, and pelut is would be the gerund of the whatever verb is the hiflati in the beginning of verse 18, and. As we'll see in a second, Rashi is going to agree, not necessarily with what the root of the word Padut is. Rashi did not understand or would never have nodded towards the notion of emended biblical texts, right? It came from Sinai. But he's going to tell us that the meaning of Padut is the same meaning as the word Vifleti. Alan? Yeah. I always thought that Pedalid Hey, that Shorish meant to save or redeem. That's how it, it comes out during. The, uh, during Shachri, the yeah. services that we say. Yeah, Baruch Podeo the God who redeems and saves. So, yeah. so since that is indeed how we normally read it, just like since how we normally read Pelez meaning wonder, that invites Rashi to say, yeah, it can also mean that, but what I really think it means here is this. No. And because that, if you do this sentence in English, it's hard to make sense of the phrase, I will place a saving between me, my people, and your people. I will save my people, sure, but I'm not placing a saving. The saving does not exist between my people and your people. What exists is a separation so that my people are saved, right? Um, okay, let's look at the Rosh. Oh, yeah, Rosemary, take the microphone, please. Maybe to the subject, but uh, do we know where Moses was living uh, during these events? Where Moses was living? Yeah, was he in Goshen? Was he in uh, Egypt? We uh, don't know, right? Uh, right? That's an interesting question. Like where he was hanging out in between audiences with with God, with yeah. uh, with, with God and Pharaoh. No, actually, yeah. I wanted to know. Like, uh, was he going every time in the desert to talk to God? Because when he was in the desert, he was going to the mountain. Yeah. So is this like revelations coming in his? Uh, dream in his presence or is he going somewhere to talk yeah. directly with God and discuss the problem and if it was that way so God was present inside Egypt already yeah or if it the, was in Goshen then that's more understanding the text doesn't tell us I'm trying to remember how the great Torah commentator Cecil B. DeMille understood it um 
I don't, re- I don't remember like scenes in between the plagues of God talking to Moshe. Um, not in Pharaoh's presence. I, I remember Charlton Heston going back to Pharaoh each time, but did anyone remember this? Uh, does, does that movie show these intervals where God is telling Moshe what to do? I don't remember. But the, the Torah gives us no clues as to that, as to it's, uh, where his Airbnb was. Um, Rachel, was your hand up? No, but I... Wait, microphone. <laughs> My hand was I'm not just, up, but now that you've called him, yeah, Now that you've called him. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of these... these um, kind of fantasy television shows where like the cat brings tomorrow's newspaper today Mm -hmm. so that the hero of the TV show can jump in and prevent the murder, the train crash or whatever it is that was the, the disaster in the, um, in, in the making and avert disasters. And I'm just, had this very playful idea of Moshe getting these kind of news um, flashes before they happen and yeah. saying, Pharaoh, let me warn you. Yeah, like Minority Report. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, back to Rashi on Padut. Um, Marshall with a microphone. Are you reading? No, who's reading? Stevie was reading. Sorry. Uh this is for you, Rick. Yeah, I see it coming. Shave deal, bain on me, uvein on That's it. Right. So translate that. <laughs> okay. That there will be a separation between my people and your people. Yeah. And if we microanalyze the grammar of what Rashi said, the way we might analyze the grammar of a biblical verse, it's interesting to wonder what. Who is the subject of Rashi's verb Shiavdil? It's not Padut, because Padut is feminine. It might be God, right? I, 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 the verse says, I will place a Padut, and Rashi says, so that, it's a masculine verb, he, God, will make a Havdalah, a distinction between my people and your people. But that's weird because <laughs> it's changing the, the person in the, in the, in the Hebrew sentence so that he will make a distinction between my people and your people. You almost want the subject of the Yavdil to not be God. Are you sure that Padut is feminine? Uh, Joel asked if I, if if I, I'm sure that Padut is feminine. Am I sure? No, uh, my instinct is that it is, but no, I'm not sure. Some poops are, and some poops are. Yeah, so so maybe. Um, Norm Zilberman translates this as, uh, "I will make a deliverance, which will serve as a division between my people and." people right so uh, so what what those comments are trying to do is to haha split split you have deal the difference between the two possible meanings of the word one of which is a redemption one of which is actually not split they actually combine right the notions of this root this root meaning redeem and this root meaning separation but if we combine verses 18 and 19 in both the biblical Hebrew and the Hebrew that Rashi is using, we are being reintroduced to a God of grand walls and grand distinctions and who can do wondrous things to make the reality over here be entirely different than the reality over here. Right? Going back to uh, a God of creation. Uh, okay. Uh, we're, we're operating at a very quick pace. Um, anything else on verse uh 
eight, nine, uh, 19. And I think this is Bobby's first time joining. So Bobby's going to think that every time we study Rashi, we go through three verses. Just, I just want you to know that is not our norm. Um, okay. Verse 20. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention before we read verse 19 that we finished the fifth Aliyah of the era because now we're into the sixth Aliyah. So we're moving right along. We're not that far away from a Parsha party. Uh, Norm, is your hand up? Yeah, yes. Norm. Um, again. Norm. Norm. Oh, again, Silverman has this footnote saying that um, Rashi's pointing out that the Targum should read one thing and not another so that the, you end up with the land was destroyed um, in the imperfect, says Rashi, has the force of a participle, uh, Um As we read in the Rashi text, we must emend the words that precede it, nishchasa uh, ha'oretz, and then adds, it is very unlikely, however, that Rashi would take the imperfect as denoting the point of time when an action was done once and for all, it was destroyed. Um, the ordinary editions of Rashi have uh, the other word that we have, so they followed it. But it means that there is, Rashi seems very uncomfortable with the wording um, altogether himself. And yeah. that should be no surprise to us in this case. Right. Um, so following up on that, and also following up on Joel's question, I was looking at BDB to find out whether or not pedut as a noun is masculine or feminine, and I found something interesting. So I want to show you. So I said this before when you're studying Talmud and you're looking up a jastro to find what a word means, and the and the phrase the jastro uses to tell you what it means is the very phrase you were trying to translate. We call that a jastro jackpot. Or <laughs> if you're using the Frank dictionary, it would be called a Frank freebie. Uh, I don't know what the BDB is like, uh, the BDB bonus, but the verse that that um, BDB uses to tell us what the word padut means is our verse, and he reads it entirely differently. So first of all, he, they, it's a they. Uh, NF, you know what NF means? It answers your question, Joel. Noun feminine, right? So according to BDB, uh, it's a feminine noun, and he reads it as ransom which I don't know how to make sense of. And he bring. If you have to redeem uh-huh. someone, then you'd have to ransom. Uh, it's the thing that it's the, it's the thing that operates or activates the redemption. Interesting. But reading it, and he uses that in our verse. I will set a ransom. And then he, you know, hedges, distinguishing, because that's how other people read the verse between my people and my people. So, so BDB is really trying to work hard in making the verse make sense in the essential meaning of the verb, because the essential meaning of the verb is not a separation. Rashi knows that, which is why he has to tell us that it means separation, because if it already, if it always meant that, he wouldn't have to work hard to tell us that. It really means something having to do with the redemption and a ransom. Yeah, Marshall. Uh, Robert Alter comments about the whole question of Padut. And at the end of his comment, it says, it seems wise to retain the semantic force of ransom and assign the indication of separation to the preposition between that follows. That is, God will grant ransom or rescue from the horde to the Israelites, and that saving act will set them apart from the afflicted Egyptians. Yeah. And even cool. if you look at the translation from Sepharia of, of the Unculus, I will set a sign of deliverance or distinction between or for my people and between but upon your people, then there's a comment, I will bring a plague. Yeah. 
is signed will take place tomorrow. Yeah. Good. Uh, thank you, Matt. Matt also confirmed that Padut is feminine um, from a different dictionary. Uh, Tova, microphone. And then I see, I see your hand, Rick. Right. So before we leave this first, um, I know I, I seem to remember vaguely, we've speculated in the past with the other plagues of whether or not the people of Israel were also affected by them. But I don't think there was anything that explicitly said that they weren't affected by it. Mm. So uh, the question comes, why this plague? Why now? Mm. Why not all along? Uh, which resonates with the the reason that God gives that so that you may know that I'm God. But but why now? Um, so someone can confirm um, because I think I'm my suspicion is you're right, but I don't remember it being specifically right. This is the first plague where we're being told explicitly that it happens. The Egyptians are not negotiating. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think oh, a, a second good question you've asked to which I have no answer. If, if we go back and just skim over the plague of darkness, I we haven't think, hit darkness yet. We haven't hit dark. Okay. Yeah. yeah darkness is there nine. was, oh, okay. That yeah. explains it because yeah. uh, the, um, I think the Israelites had light. Yeah. Well, the rest of the country was in darkness. Yeah. Well, let's kind of be sensitive to that as we go forward. Again, I've, I, and as many of you have read this story hundreds of times and I, but I still can't pull from my memory the exact um, plagues that do or do not make a distinction between what's happening in Goshen and the land of Egypt. So let's see if there's, if it's all of them going forward or this is which is every once in a while, the Torah says that uh, Rick, your hand. Yeah, hi. Um, <clears throat> like Tova brought up the end of the uh, the sent well, that wasn't the end, but a piece of it. So the piece here that we haven't talked about is Haot Hazah mm. at the end of nineteen. So Ot Ot Hazah is that masculine or feminine? Um, uh, I, I was going to connect it to Fadut, but um, I, yeah, I Oat is Oat is a um, what's the word a. Uh... Otiot is oat is uh, a sign, um, a letter. Word. It's it's um, it has two genders. The word oat, right? Oat heleolam. Yeah. Right? Uh, suggesting that it's a feminine in the in the vishamru. The and here yeha oat hazeh is masculine. So there are a couple of Hebrew nouns that go back and forth. They're, 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 they're transgender nouns. They go back and forth between masculine and feminine. And we don't know hundred percent why. Yeah. A hermaphroditic. That's what I was thinking. Um, okay. Let's, let's, well, we have three minutes. Let's read verse uh, 20. Uh, oh, Rosemary. He's answering to Thomas question at the beginning when the plagues started. Uh, God was presenting himself little by little to a pharaoh. So he said the water will be red. And it was okay. It was first step. Second step, uh, frogs will come out. Again, he doesn't give up. So now he distinguishes, I'm going to do it to you, but not to him. It's just emphasizing on his power, showing the power to each group. Yeah. Because it's going to become more and more dramatical. So... Uh, you have to know the separation. Yeah. I, you know, I, I agree with the impact of that, but it's a little difficult when you think of it because from the point of view of the people of Israel, 
they're being reminded of this God of their ancestors who's now come into their lives again and their first experience of, of that God and, and God's power is to suffer the same way as the Egyptians have. So it, it's still a little bit disturbing that that sort of from the beginning, it would have, the emphasis would have been, you will understand my power, Pharaoh, rather than at least as an aside, and I will also protect my people. It's also teaching the Hebrews that I'm here, I'm doing this for you, I'm protecting you. I'm hitting there, I'm protecting you. So in a way, shows his power for both sides. Right, but he did it at the beginning. He let no, suffer because he, 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 he doesn't start. Folks, you have to speak to the mic. It's so frust. Yeah. It's so frustrating for people on Zoom yeah. who it's, you know, uh, something good happening in the room and they don't hear it. The beginning is just the first step. Mm-hmm. It's like you say, somebody, "Hello, I'm meeting you. My name is this," and then you go more and more, and then if somebody kicks you, you start kicking. No, I, I agree that it's a buildup of in terms of the 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 display of power. I'm just questioning whether the buildup had to apply to the care of the people as well. But I know I understand your point. Alan? Yeah. The It might make sense if you could say, well, it was just the Nile River and that was solely the Egyptians and therefore there was some distinguishing about what was going on. But yet we heard that it went to all these other things, all the tributaries and everything yeah. else were there, which would seemingly affect the Israelites as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's put a, a, a pin in it there. Uh, hopefully you all got the email two weeks from today. There'll be no class because I can't teach and Leonard cannot as well. I'll remind you next week. Is everyone here in the WhatsApp group already? Because that will now be the easiest way for you to get updates. So there was an email that went out with a with a with uh, just a one a one-click link to join the WhatsApp group. I think it's much easier than just sending an email to everybody. So um, please find that link and uh, join the WhatsApp group. Okay, it'll be an easier way for me to update you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tba.la.org.